Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So I find it interesting how divided sci-fi is on what alien encounters would be like and how it feels like most alien encounter stories skew much more towards uh, humans projecting their own uh, insecurities and their own <clears throat> worst instincts onto what other species would be would be like. So they have, you know, you've heard it said that you know any species intelligent enough to develop interstellar travel would, by nature, be a peaceful one because they would have evolved past petty, violent conflicts. Sure, but most of our sci-fi is this terror, this like visceral fear. And that aliens are going to come here specifically for the purpose of, at best, subjugating us, at worst, wiping out everyone for fun, uh, not even necessarily for the resources of our planet. Somewhere in between there uh, is you know, where most of the stories sit. And it's just, it's weird to me that we don't have more stories of benevolent species because we just we as humans can't yet imagine that and you see you see little glimmers of it every now and then but just it's like we just struggle so much with the idea that we can't stop killing each other that we can't imagine a, a universe where creatures would come to peacefully visit us yeah, you know, uh, so a couple of things come to mind. So one, Contact is a perfect example of that story where they do come here and they're just like, hey, we're literally yeah. just here to give you the tools to basically reach back out to us. We've been passing off this technology for years. Um, you know, so, hey, come say hi. This is this yeah. is our first, this is an introductory letter. More to come. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm in the process of reading the first book in uh, Octavia Butler's Lilith Brood trilogy uh and finally after the the recommendation from a friend years ago i'm finally getting around to it and it's very much a story you know humankind have basically wiped themselves out this benevolent species of aliens comes to to help you know save the species and kind of restore the the earth back to uh a, a habitable environment and so forth uh there's more to it than that but it seemingly is a story of a benevolent protector species yeah more like that please right I, you know, I think that's, that's reasonable. Um, 
you know, but it's, it, it's funny that that is the key. You know, I think Independence Day, you know, even Jeff Goldblum's like, hey, I mean, there's no reason why they would come all this way just to do this. And then, you know, five minutes later, he's like, oh, shit, they're literally here to That's, nuke the fuck out of us. It's exactly what they came here for. Yeah, yeah actually, just kidding. That is uh, exactly their whole purpose. I mean, yeah. how else was Bill Pullman supposed to have such an epic speech? Oh, Bill Pullman. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Bill Pullman. What what a what a man. Yeah. What an actor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's just that's something that that's on my mind. Obviously, because of the the movie that we just watched that I'm still angry about. But yeah, uh, do, you, do you know what I just watched? Uh, actually, um, which kind of yes. references to let's cleanse our palate here a little bit. <laughs> let's cleanse our palates a little bit. So uh, so we had talked about this um, not that long ago, uh, but you were just talking about books and stuff like that, and that. Uh, so I just watched The Wheel of Time, the first three episodes oh, of Wheel of Time. Shit, yeah. And How is it? That is on Amazon Prime. So I will say uh, it's good um, because it is standard fantasy. Yeah. However, I learned that the books were written like 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. So like when I say, you know, when I uh, looking at it through the lens of not knowing when the books came out or knowing anything about the books, I was like, yeah, this is this is just a cool fantasy story. Like this is just like all the other fantasy stories. Mm -hmm. But now in learning about the age of the books and stuff, and I'm like, gotcha. So this was one of the first standard. Yeah. Like this is what set the standard for mm -hmm. other fantasy books. Got it. Yeah, um, I will. And Robert Jordan actually died before finishing the series, and I think it was uh, possibly like his son like teamed up with a fairly famous uh, modern sci-fi uh, or fantasy author. And like finished out the last book or books uh, of the series because it's a very long. There's series. like and sixteen of them or something, and they're very long books yeah. too. Like this is like very much like seminal, influential uh, stock fantasy. Yeah, uh, and so like I'm actually really pissed off that it's a Prime Video original because. That means I can't watch it, and that makes me angry because I want to, uh, because I also promised a friend that I would read these books years ago, uh, and I have the first one, and I still haven't cracked it. Yeah. I, you know, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I really like, uh, this isn't spoiler, this is just the plot. Um, so the general plot of the of the book is, or, of the thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, reporting for duty, um, is that there uh, was this hero Everybody referred to this person as the dragon. Mm -hmm. um, and the dragon basically toppled this dark empire um, and then died. And then it was prophesized that this dragon would uh, be reborn and would be able to basically do it again. Um, so the general plot is that there are witches uh, who float around the world and they have learned that the dragon has been potentially reborn um, you know, for a very specific village at a very specific age, age range, the witch heads to this town and realizes that there are four potential candidates to be the dragon. Um, at this time, you know, the, the village gets completely torn apart and the four venture off with the witch and her little warrior guy, um, to, uh, who by the way is badass as fuck. And I hope lasts the entire series cause he is so fucking cool. Um, but anyway, so, so basically the rest of the story is, as far as we know, we know there's only three episodes, uh, as of this airing, there was only three, as of this recording, there was three, I believe there'll be a fourth tomorrow for those of you listening on the day that this episode airs. Um, 
And uh, but so now it's just figuring out which of the four are going to be the ones they're doing a really good job of keeping it very like it could be any of us. But Mm -hmm. there's like one of them that's like really good looking, like he's a really good looking dude. (laughs) And he's like, you know, kind of, you know, smart and charismatic. And the other one, the other guys are kind of dumpy looking. I mean, as as characters you know, they are fine looking people regardless, but you know what I mean? Like he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a pretty looking dude and it's kind of like, I wonder who it's going to be. Wink, wink. Um, but I, I'm actually really liking it. I love fantasy. You know, I mean, that was kind yeah. of one of the reasons why I was really big into Eternals because it felt fantasy to me. I felt high fantasy and I yeah. fucking love that shit. And that's why I think I really, I like wheel of time so far. I mean, it's, it's got a few moments where you're like, all right. But I mean, it wasn't so cheesy that I was like, Ugh, I don't like that. It was just kind of like, huh, you did yeah. the thing because yeah. you're, you're of that genre. Yeah, I, that's that's why I, I want to watch the series and why I want to watch the, or want to read the books, because, yeah, I also like this. Although um, I will say that the modern era of television has been uh seriously tainted when it comes to the fantasy genre by titles like game of thrones that basically just you know like gory porn uh set in a you know a a fantasy environment and i just i hate that shit so i i will say that from what i've heard about the books is that there are plenty of instances for sexy time Mm -hmm. um of the first three episodes uh there was an instance of sexy time but you see like Oh, we're done and I'm putting my clothes on, no nudity type thing, but you just get the implication of it. And it was perfect. It was very, very well done. It didn't feel weird. It didn't feel like you were missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it missed the gratuity. And the violence and gore, uh, befitting of of fantasy. I didn't think yeah. it was above. I mean, like, you know, you see people get stabbed, you see monsters, you know, like tear people apart. Like you see them, you know, like tear guts out, but it didn't feel gratuitous. It felt like, yeah, yeah, that's what I should be seeing right now. You know, there's a line between like the, the violence and gore that you expect in epic fantasy battles and let's show someone being brutally tortured for as long as we can possibly get away with on screen. Right. Right. It definitely like, felt very fitting. Like I didn't think it was, you know, because the, I, I, uh, I loved Game of Thrones. I was a really big fan of Game of Thrones and there were a few scenes in Game of Thrones where I was like this, it, you're just doing it for the sake of being able to do it. Whereas like so far in the first three episodes of this show, I've kind of been like, yeah, like I need to see that because the character is seeing it. Like you need to see it because this person's seeing it. Yeah, I get it. You know, and it didn't feel out of place. Completely the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, Ellen and I have been recently watching uh, The Shrink Next Door, the uh, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd uh, oh. show on on Apple TV Plus, um, <clears throat> and it's Rudd. been it's been fun. I mean, it's I love Paul Rudd. There's it, it's a like there there are some comic elements to it, but it is definitely more of a, a, a dramatic story. Uh, apparently based on uh, on a true story, uh, more so than the uh, the movie that we just watched. Um, <laughs> and uh, Will Ferrell is, uh, think, an even more like toned down and like introspective, introverted version of uh, Harold Crick. Okay. Okay. Like, it, it, like he really leans into the like serious dramatic actor role um but you know in a character that has his own quirks and funny things so like it allows will ferrell to still have some 
like comedy in the role without being schlocky comedy. And same thing for Paul Rudd. Paul, I mean, they're both playing like mid to late eighties, uh, like six, like businessmen. Well, uh, Will Ferrell's character is the owner of a textile uh, factory. He was passed down from his parents, and uh, Paul Rudd is playing a. A psychiatrist, uh, but they're both uh, '80s New York Jews, and like very lean very heavily into that role. They both play it very well, uh, and Catherine Hahn is in it. She's incredible. Uh, the you know, the cast is is really good, and you know, it's been fun. We we watched the the first four episodes were already available by the time we we watched, and uh, just caught up with the the fifth one that just released. Uh, and yeah, I, it's it's been a nice nice palate cleanser from all of the just. The bizarre shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, finally, Ellen, without uh, giving me time to uh, protest or uh, to object, uh, has forced me to watch Ted Lasso. Uh, so I can finally say I've seen most. I think we're almost done with the second season. It's fine. Uh, so Casey, uh, host <laughs> of the Superpod Hero Cast, uh, messaged me the other day and he was like, did you watch uh, the last season of Ted Lasso? And I was like, I actually, I was like, I don't have Apple TV Plus. Uh, Apple TV Plus. I haven't watched it. And he was like, Michael, what are you doing? You need Everyone. to watch this show. But apparently it was written by the same guy as uh, Scrubs, or am I incorrect in that? Because that could be oh, why, because I'm a huge fan of Scrubs. Um, and that I think that's why he uh, was mentioning, hey, and let me uh, take a look, writers... Mm, yeah, Bill Lawrence. Uh, yeah, Bill Lawrence did uh, um, Scrubs. So yeah, that's probably why uh, it, it was suggested to me. Um, uh, before we, I do want to talk about a Paul Rudd joke really quick. So one of my oh, favorite yeah. uh, uh, Paul Rudd jokes is he was on the show Between Two Ferns with Zach yes. Galifianakis, uh, Galifianakis. And uh, Zach asked him, like, what advice would you give a young actor uh, who wants to hide his Jewishness, his Jewishness as well as you? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Rudd uh, says, he's like, well, I've never really tried to hide my Jewishness. Um, and uh, he asked him, he's like, oh, well, uh, are you a, a practicing Jew? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm not a practicing Jew. And he goes, I've mastered it. <laughs> I, <Yeah. just, laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> it's just oh my God. Absolutely that, brilliant Paul Rudd uh, humor. Yeah, that um, is great. But yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a personality trait of mine where like I chafe heavily when like uh, people are coming at me from all sides telling me that I have to enjoy something just because they do. It was the same way with Game of Thrones, and turns out I was fucking right with that one. <laughs> uh, that was Hot garbage, and I want nothing to do with it. I don't think I watched past like halfway through the second season and never have any interest in seeing anything again. Uh, this, you know, again, it's it's fine. It is, I, I get the appeal. It's a very wholesome show. It hits you in the feels. The writing is good. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is stellar at, at what he does. It, mm -hmm. It's it's weird, though, because having seen him in Colossal, it's a very similar character, and I just keep waiting for him to turn. Because he did that yep. so well. You know, yep. He comes across as like super friendly, nice country guy, uh, and then like full turn into villain territory. Yep. And I just keep waiting for that to happen in, in Ted Lasso. And obviously he's not going to because that's not the character, but right. like that's how good Jason Sudeikis is that he's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, this, this past week though, there was a lot of things that have come out. Like Cowboy Bebop, the live action came out. 
Um, oh, shit, yeah. Which, uh, you know, if you if you watched the original series, you're not going to like it. Uh, that's the general consensus. If you watched the original Cowboy Bebop and it holds a special place in your heart, you're probably not going to like the live action one. Um, I was very, uh, I've watched the original Cowboy Bebop. I was very like, yeah, it was cool. Um, so I don't mind the remake, but it definitely has more aesthetic than it has substance. Whereas it looks cool, but yeah. it's also like I'm, you know, I got through the series, the season, and I'm like, but what did you really do? Like, it didn't feel like the show. Like, it didn't feel like, hey, we're just out doing cool bounty hunter things. It just kind of kept being like, look how cool we are. Mm-hmm. Every so often, I will talk about a bounty, but that, but it's more about how cool I look. Um, but I'm I didn't into that. hate it. I didn't hate it though. It was cool. Uh, I like I, it. I love John Cho. He's fucking great in it. So I, I was sold. I I kind of want to watch it just because of the the fuss that people who were like super sweaty about the anime yeah. uh, were making before it was even released. Like, listen, I I understand fully with how like passionately angry I am at Foundation at this point towards yeah. the the end of the first season. Uh, I understand when someone takes something you love and does it wrong. I get that. But like the live action Cowboy Bebop actually looks pretty cool, and it, I didn't watch the anime, so I might actually enjoy it. I don't know. No, I think you will uh, totally. Uh, I mean, like I said, I I enjoy it. It's just I see why people don't. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of suggesting things to watch, um, we had somebody suggest something to us uh, just <laughs> uh, just about a week ago. Uh, <laughs> On uh, on Twitter, so I'm gonna find the user's name uh, uh, really quickly. It was um, Kevin. Oh, it was Kevin. Oh yeah, Kevin. So uh, so our, our one of our uh, uh, friends and followers, uh, Kevin, has suggested that we watch um, uh, this uh, thing from Mr. <laughs> T. So Mr. T. Back in the 80s, uh, this is 1984, I think it is. Something like that, yeah. So Mr. T put out this, uh, basically a series of PBS mini specials. And they were like after school specials that, you know, they were only like two minute long clips. uh, And they were on VHS, actually. It was like a VHS like montage thing, but they also played on PBS a little bit. Mm -hmm. Called Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. Which is so on brand for Mr. It's T. It's just brilliant, let me tell you. The thing I, I love about Mr. T is that like he is presented as this like pinnacle of like masculinity. He's he's like fit, buff, like yeah. kind of aggressive seeming dude, but his actual personality is so wholesome and so like all about uplifting other people and like you know demonstrating like you know he was a, a you know a black kid that grew up in Chicago and look at what he achieved and like he wants other people to just have a good life and so seeing this PSA is so on brand for him uh, uh, in for fact, him at the time yeah yeah and in fact uh, like I remember someone showing me the the music video for him singing the song about treating your mother right and thinking like. This is so beautiful. 
I mean, the song is terrible, but like, it's such a beautiful sentiment. Like, you know, don't disrespect your mom. You wouldn't be here without her. You got to treat her right. It's it's great. And I didn't know at the time that that was from this series of PSAs. And then it came. I was the whole time. I was like, this this has like very strong treat your mother right energy to this thing. And then they get to that scene. I was like, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) It did the thing. Yeah, so so we were suggested to watch this. So so total, this uh, runs at about fifty two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's available on on YouTube, so you can just go and watch it for free. You don't have to like search anywhere. Um, you can either watch just individual clips, or you can just watch it as one long thing. We, I was very easy to find the one long thing just by searching uh, "Be Somebody" or "Be Somebody's Fool" uh, by Mr. T. I will link it down in the credits uh, in the show notes down below. There's a lot of really, really funny ones. Like he talks about having like exercising. He talks about like making your own fashion. I think one of my favorite lines is he says like, do you think Calvin Klein's walking around with your name on his clothes? And I'm like, (laughs) that is really fucking, that is, that is fucking great. Mind you, he wears a giant Adidas logo the entire series. And I thought that was like, you're sending mixed signals here, Mr. T. I need you to know this. I I, th- I think my my favorite moments are probably during the uh, the peer pressure skit where a kid like they're walking down a, a dock or something like that and kid grabs a a can of Budweiser and a pack of cigarettes out of the trash can and they like crack the beer and start passing around the cigarettes and lighting them up I'm like Who? first of all how is there just a random <laughs> just, full can of Budweiser and a full pack of smokes in the trash on this dock? Who just throws that stuff away? Uh, second of all, like, the kid just happens to be walking by and sees, like, then thinks, like, jackpot, trash beer. <laughs> Here's what we <laughs> fucking nailed it. Maybe in 1984, kids did that. We were three, so I don't know. And then the 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 scene where he's talking about, like, knowing your roots and where you're coming from. And he talks about, you know, growing up in Chicago and how that influenced him. And then he talks about, like, you know, because Mr. T is known for his iconic just pile of gold chains. Yeah. Like, easily 50 pounds worth of gold chains around his neck. That you know, only someone as strong as Mr. T could do without you know doing massive damage to their back. Uh, and he talks about how for him that was a representation of his ancestors' uh, enslavement. And I think that that's a really interesting way to, to like to take back power and to like uh, remember where you're from, but also to to show like. Not anymore, motherfuckers. Right, it's just gold chains that say like you you can't hold us anymore, and I, that's it's fucking cool. And it, it's 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 only Mr. T could pull that off. And there was another there's another scene very similar to that where it shows his boots, and he has these really super beat up boots. They're like duct taped mm-hmm. together, and he's like, "These were my grandfather's boots." He's like, mm-hmm. and he kept fixing them and fixing them because he couldn't afford to buy new ones. He's like, "So I wear them now." to like keep me humble as he's wearing gold chains around his neck, <laughs> um, you know, to like remind me like, you know, hard work is how you get to, you know, where it is. And I was like, that is really fucking cool. It even explains his, his haircut as being, uh, I, I forget which, uh, which region of Africa he says that his oh, yeah, ancestors from remember. what tribe yeah. they were from, but he says they wore their hair like this. And I was like, okay. Like that I makes co- sense. I, I never knew that. Iconic Mohawk explained. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, that all being said, uh, it is important to note that uh, of last showing, Mr. T is now a televangelist uh, who has a show next to like Joel Olstein and people oh, like that. No. So like he has very much gone over to the dark side. Um, but Womp. this Mr. T, as we know him, I feel like current Mr. T is dead to us. 
this is the Mr. T that I uh, only accept and recognize. But I mean, it's super cheesy. Uh, The songs are all terrible, you know, but like if you want a really good look into um, uh, into 80s culture and stuff like that, like this is where to add it. And Fergie was in this uh, as the (laughs) dimples. Uh, oh, as a young, shit, young really? girl. Yeah, Fergie, because Fergie's only a little bit older than us. Actually, very funny story. Um, I actually met Fergie. Uh, I was working for... Uh, like no news, shit. Yeah, I, I was working for a news organization, and we went to interview her when she played in Syracuse. And uh, so we were doing the whole interview, and uh, just as we were done, uh, we were sitting in like a big U-shaped couch, and there was a very giant table, um, like a low, low like coffee-type table, um, in between us and I was directly across from her and the person interviewing her was to the left. And, you know, so she was directly across from me person interviewing me is to the left and we're like in this, you know, square like thing. So at the very end of the interview, you know, we get up and we're like, Hey, you know, thank you so much. Like we really appreciate it. And, uh, the interviewer goes to shake her hand and she's like, no, 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 come here. And she, she gives him a hug. Um, and then she was like, and then I, you know, I stood up and I was just like, Hey, thank you very much. She's like, come here, come here. So I start to walk uh, to, um, like go towards her and I trip and I literally fall like Joss Whedon style face first into (laughs) Fergie, (laughs) knock her back into the couch. I land directly on top of her. I get up and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so, I was like, Oh my God, she's going to be so pissed. She is laughing her ass off (laughs) at this. And she, so she puts her hand out. I help her up and she just gives me a big hug. Mind you, she's like four feet tall and she just gives me a huge hug. And she was like, she was like, how's that for an introduction? And then off she goes. But it was just so funny because here I am just, I just cartoonishly fall, fell on top of Fergie. That's amazing. Yeah. Very, very fun. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so be somebody or be somebody's fool. It was absolutely brilliant. So, you know, if you are interested in, in sending us things like this, I mean, obviously, you know, our thing is movies, uh, but we found a way and a time to talk about this as well. Um, uh-huh. hit us up on, on, uh, social media, tag us on Twitter or Instagram at the Nahoit podcast, really easy way to ping us on something, but Caleb, how else could they send us something? Well, of course, you can visit our website. That's thenahoit.com, T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com, uh, where we have our list of upcoming movies uh, for the month, as well as links to trailers and where you can find the movie streaming if available. And uh, just below that is a contact form where you can uh, you can fill it out and you can, just, you can just shoot us a message if you want. We just love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, but we also love listener requests. We want to know what you want to hear us talk about. There's a, a movie that you love that uh, is maybe kind of obscure or, you know, it's just something that's just so terrible that, you know, somebody needs to yell about it. You know, let us know. We love that. As long as, you know, we can reasonably find it available digitally somewhere. Uh, and as long as it's not just like some super serious downer that's going to ruin our days, <clears throat> send it our way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, We'd we, absolutely we, love it. We've got we've got a backlog that uh, that we're that we're still working through, and we'll we'll just keep going. We'll we'll dedicate entire months to this as we've done in the past, and you know it, it saves us from having to choose because uh, as you'll find out with uh, this Sunday's episode, uh, we don't always choose well, and in fact, uh, no. this is going to be one of those rare times where in advance, I'm personally am going to tell you, don't watch almost here. <laughs> Like, listen, yeah. like, listen to the episode. We'll we'll tell you all about why. You will hear me get genuinely angry on, on the recording because, like, one hundred percent accurate. Uh, don't watch the movie. Uh, you've been warned. 
Yeah, which, uh, so if you were like, fuck you, dude, I do what I want, um, which is also fine. Uh, the movie is available streaming on uh, AMC Plus and Hulu. So those are both uh, places that you can watch this movie. And again, there are multiple ones uh, named Almost Human. You're going to look for the one uh, that stars uh, nobody you have ever heard of uh, mm-hmm. or anybody you've never <laughs> heard of. Um, but yeah, so uh, that being said, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We super appreciate it. We cannot wait um, to finish this month and kick it on over to December. We've got a really cool December coming up for you with with, uh, some possible special guests. Um, And uh, so we're very excited for it. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we will see you on Sunday. Let's do it. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.